now we're going in progress all right yeah so yeah just a lot of walking and moving around yesterday but yeah well that's good like your body is thanking you for it even though it might not feel like that at the moment <laughs> yeah so have to get you on a sandboard or a snowboard one of these days a sandboard that sounds interesting i don't really like sand a whole lot generally speaking it's it's fun but it's scary because there's no breaks you just go you can't stop you really can't turn you're just standing up and sliding down the the hill but now is this a beach area or more of a desert area well there's a this city has the the largest sand dunes in in japan and so it, it takes place there it is also on a beach though okay okay so, so this is sand from the beach right from the sand dunes right okay which happened to be on the beach yeah right yeah so this yeah. this area there's a lot of you know it's a kind of a country area so there's a lot of nature and whatnot so in the summer you know there's the sand dunes there's hiking um some people do like um sandboarding um and then in the winter there's a lot of mountains around here so there's skiing and snowboarding and whatnot so okay i have not have done, done that none of the yeah. things mentioned i've ever done I've, I've done the sandboarding once and I've done snowboarding a couple of times. Both are kind of scary. <laughs> I jet ski. <laughs> I think I've done jet skiing once. Yeah. I Maybe. lived right on the water in Howard Beach for a while. And I always wanted to get a jet ski since I was on the water anyway. I do enjoy that, though. We've talked yeah. about that, you know, going from Queens to. Right. Manhattan. Statue of Liberty, Coney Island, Marizano Bridge. It's really cool to just leave your house in Queens on the water, right? And just find yourself in Manhattan, let's say, or New Jersey even, without right. leaving the water. It's pretty fun. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much guaranteed no traffic. Unless there are other jet skis. <laughs> but you got plenty of room in your lane. You don't have to, right. you know. Right. Right. This is exactly. the traffic jams out there. Plenty of space. It's uncharted terrain. Yeah. So yeah. No, I love it. So all right. What's going on with you? Hey, get ready for the rally at City Hall tomorrow afternoon. And we mm. do have a great lineup of speakers, elected officials, community groups. We've got community board representation there. And so I'm really looking forward to that demanding transit equity. Of course, I will be the MC, so I've been working on my speech a little bit, but I don't want to be too rehearsed because I like to speak from the heart, you know, but it's always good to feel prepared and know that you have a game plan when you do one of these things, because it's going to be a big event. Right. You're going to be dropping any bars? I might. Because I realize Queen's Link is an interesting thing to rhyme off of, right? Like, so we think something about the Queen's Link and no, no. There's an opportunity there. That's what's up. No, that sounds that sounds dope. Yeah, I'm, it's another thing I got to get finished up in the uh, in the hours this week. Uh, I've got a presentation on um, on Sunday, so we're About going up stocks. to yes. So we're going up to Tokyo uh, at the end of this week, and my mother's giving a talk on 
uh, genealogy and research and family tree stuff. And then the next day I'm doing a talk on basic stock investing. Nice. So have you been doing well playing the stock market lately? Um, See, that's the thing is I don't play the stock market. Mm. I do more long-term investing. So, right. um, you know, it's it's safer in that regard. It's said to be, well, it's safer than definitely playing the stocks. Um, so. Even long-term though, aren't you still playing the market in a sense? Uh, I guess, but not in a sense that it's like what day trading is, right? right? Of course. Where you're trying to go in and out. Although last week I did, um, I did jump in and out of a couple of, of things last week. And so I did come out, come out in the positive, but yeah, minor money. That reminds me when I was in law school, I had a professor who was comparing stock trading to dating. And he kind of made the class giggle with his references. He said something like, you know, imagine Joe Investor is interested in Lola Company. And he's not in it for the short term. He's, you know, he really has a long-term interest in her. He's not just looking for the pump and dump. And he would say things like that, that kind of had like sexual innuendos tied to them, you know? Uh, what wow. else? He, had, he had a few of those. And, and then he was, yeah, he really was like a comedian with it, right? Because everyone was laughing and he'd be like, what? These are real terms. What are you laughing about? You know, I don't know. Like trying to make it sound like it was really on the students for laughing and he wasn't purposely setting that up, right? But he knew what he was doing. Right. Another one also. He had the pump and dump. Um, oh, yes, this was a good one. So when people were laughing about him saying pump and dump, he was like, he's like, no, 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 no. Like this, this is not inappropriate. That's natural term of art in stocks, pump and dump. But what I'm saying is he's he's long term interested. He's not just looking for a quick buck. And everyone laughed again. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's what's up. So this is the Queens League rally talking yeah. about coming up. Yeah. So here we go. Tomorrow, it's Wednesday, September 6th, 1 to 2 p.m. City Hall Park. And you can see the lineup there on the screen for those who are checking us out right now on video. Jumani Williams, public advocate, Diamond Richards, Queensboro president, James Sanders Jr., New York State Senate, Khalil Anderson, Assembly, Zoran Mandani, State Assembly, Steffi, Stacey Feffy, Frankie Stacey Feffy, Stacey Pfeffer Amato, all of a sudden that's a tongue twister, Stacey Pfeffer Amato, Assembly member, Selena Brooks Powers, City Council member, and the, the chair of the Transportation Committee. And the list goes on. You can see we've got more elected officials. We've got more community groups, transportation groups. We even have a union president, Richard Davis from TWU Local 100. So really a strong showing in support of the Queen's Link tomorrow at City Hall. I'm really excited to be the MC and to moderate this great event. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. Hopefully it yields some very positive results. Absolutely. And I am going to do all I can to live stream it on my page because I know a lot of people can't make it physically to City Hall on a Wednesday afternoon. And so as I've been doing when possible, I'm going to try to get video of it live streamed right here on Facebook. Okay, Scala on location. That's right. So we do have some topics to get into. I know you sent me some things. We were talking pregame here as well. Right. What's going on in the news? We've got the New York City local law that goes into effect today on Airbnbs, right? That should affect a lot of people, both who rent Airbnbs uh, themselves and who seek to go into an Airbnb. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people since the Airbnb has become a thing is if it turned it into uh, you know a side income or in some cases into a primary income. Um, but as you know, it's been in, especially in certain places they've been fighting against it, especially the hotel lobby and whatnot, because you know people are kind of eating their lunch a little bit with it. Um, right. So in New York today, there's this law that goes into effect. Um, what was that again? Local? What was it? Local law 18. Yes. And so what it's basically doing is requiring people to that's doing Airbnbs to register with the city and only in the places where they're living are they able to rent it. So what's happening or what's going to happen is if you want to rent something that's less than 30 days, you have to, the short-term rentals, you have to register with the city. I'm not sure if you have to do it for the longer ones. But there was an older law that was on the books that prevented short-term rentals of entire apartments for less than 30 days in New York. Right. But they couldn't enforce it or they're having a hard time and enforcing hard time. it. So let's yeah. make that point clear that most Airbnbs were already illegal in New York, but people were doing them regardless. And right. the city had a hard time cracking down on it. One of the reasons, aside from the registration mechanism that we're going to get now, one of the reasons why... They couldn't do it was because Airbnb was still able to advertise those illegal risk listings and process the transaction. So in spite of them not being legal, there, there was still a mechanism in place that allowed the app to list them and process the fees. And so people were still doing it really unencumbered. Now, right. with this new law, Airbnb, and not just Airbnb, right? Other apps like it. There are others as well. Airbnb is Right. So this would be... All the short-term yeah, apps, right, are covered by this. Yeah. They are not going to be allowed now to even process these transactions. So it's not just that the rental itself is illegal, but the actual processing of the rental on the app is now illegal. Right. And and this is going to cut down people's ability. So for for people who who do this, if you don't register with the city, you can face a fine of up to $5,000. Um, and they said that there's right now there's nearly 15,000 hosts that previously offered short-term available rentals across New York City. But as of August 18, the city had only approved 257 of the, the new 3,250 applications. So they're going to kind of, it's going to slow people down on, on either getting into it or whether they're allowed to, I guess, get into it at all. Right, right. And let's, again, make that clear for those who might not realize what is allowed and what isn't here. So a short-term rental is only going to be allowed, even if you register, right? Because you can have to register it, but you're only going to be able to do that if you are staying on the property, right? Like if you have an extra room in your house or something like that, but not if you want to rent out your entire apartment or your entire home to somebody. Right. And some people, what they were doing, they would be, they would buy, you know, separate apartments just for the purpose of renting it out sure, like that, sure. like Airbnb. So that theoretically won't be allowed under this. But that wasn't allowed prior to that, to this either. Right. It's just now there's a better mechanism in place for to try to enforce it. Right. Right. So, and there was a, 
they had a in the article that I read, there was a comment on one of the ladies uh, that was doing this. She has a two bedroom apartment in um, Brooklyn, but she lives somewhere else. And um, she said she didn't want to rent it full time to a to a tenant. And she because she would lose the flex flexibility of hosting family or friends there whenever she right. you know saw fit like she did during the pandemic or she used it as a home office during the pandemic. So this was this Airbnb situation was, was perfect for her. But this is going to, you know, become an issue for her. Right. Someone yeah. in the chat said, uh, oh, boy, Rockaway will be in trouble next beach season. Yeah, no, that's not a bad point. There are a lot of people in the Rockaways and all over, especially in more touristy areas, right? Areas that attract out of town. There's the Rockway, they call them DFDs, down for the days, right? People who just come down to enjoy the beach. So it is going to have an effect on the local economy. There's no question about that. And I think it's a valid question to ask. Obviously, the hotel industry pushes back very strongly against these. But should we allow it? Or should we be this strict? I mean, uh, you know, I'm assuming most people would agree there should be some kind of regulation on it, but how far should it go? Should it be a free-for-all? Should we allow the traditional Airbnb? Because as we said, we really don't right now, right? But what is legal is not the standard Airbnb rental arrangement that we see. When we think of Airbnb being a place, we're not thinking of this. Right. And again, I think that was another question. That's another question I think should be brought up. Should should people be allowed to to rent out places that they have? Like, I mean, it's their their place. You know, should if it be- is their place. I mean, what if because some because you know don't forget this is new york city right so right. you have a lot of people who are renting their apartments in the first place they don't own where they live oftentimes you'll see it in the contract right in the lease agreement when you rent a place no subletting hey, absolutely no airbnb no, no subletting of any kind no short-term rentals like you know the landlord right. is renting it to you you're not allowed to rent it to somebody else right 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 right. even if it didn't have that in the contract should that be allowed should we allow right. people to say okay i'm going to rent an apartment from this landlord for a certain amount per month I'm then going to try to make more money by renting it to other people. The landlord didn't sign up for that. I mean, you know, should right. that be legal in the first place? Right. So, and then, I mean, if we look at it from the the consumer point of view, it you could say it takes away choice because um, you know Airbnb is a different experience in a hotel, right? Absolutely. The, situation the amenities could be different the locations could be better or, or different because an airbnb could be in a neighborhood where you're trying to be around versus having to be in a row of hotels where you've got to do more traveling it could be more convenient um prices could be better um or they could be more expensive depends on who's who's running it so right um when i was working in the senate one of the main arguments at the hotel lobby would use is that there's a lot of racism on the app because it, there isn't as much regulation and people on there are not only free to discriminate, not that they're legally allowed to still have the civil rights laws, but that there's really no, nothing in place that would stop them from discriminating, whereas the hotel industry is much more regulated. And so that kind of thing is more easily cracked down against on the hotel side. That was that was at least their argument. I mean, you might not even believe that that's true. If the Airbnb host can discriminate, maybe the hotel clerk can the same way, right? But right. that's at least what they were trying to say, that there are stronger regulations in place on them. And that because people were able to discriminate freely on these Airbnb-like sites, that that was happening uh, on a much higher level. And so we needed to crack down on them for that reason. 
Some people right. will say, and you know, and I don't agree with this line of thought, but you do see, especially more libertarian types, they'll say, well, the market will correct itself. So, so if they're discriminating, then people will not stop using them and they can go out of business. Unfortunately, that's not quite the way the world operates, right? It would be right. nice if things worked that way. But we right. need regulations. We need, we, need, we need checks, right? Otherwise, yeah, right. things will get out of hand. I mean, we see that time and time again. Yeah. So that's that's definitely and and that question of of regulation was one that also came up with um when lyft and uber came yeah, in yeah right? they're saying like the standard the standard industry like taxis which would be like the the hotel industry has to follow these regulations which has a little bit more of these checks and and, and things in place that yeah. these these app-based businesses didn't have which some things could fall under the radar with right i mean and one difference is it is easier let's be clear you know, if you're renting out a place on Airbnb, you can turn someone down for an unspecified yeah. reason. You can say it's right. my apartment, my house, my property. I'm not going to accept this booking, right? Right. The hotel does have a harder time doing that, right? If someone walks into the hotel, you know, they can lie. They can say, well, there's no vacancy or whatever. But generally speaking, they, they can't just be like, oh, we're declining to rent you the room for, for no reason. Get out. You know what I mean? Like that, that would be much more controversial, especially if it was a protected class. It was a person of color or a disabled person or what have you, right? Coming in, just being denied access to the hotel. So you can see yeah. how it is easier to, I guess, get away with that type of discrimination on an app like that. Right. And and it and it does happen. There was uh, several investigations that found that that was, that this type of discrimination was happening with Airbnb right. hosts. Um, but like I said, there's more regulation in the, in the hotel industry, but it does happen there as well. It does. Um, and, you know, the entirety of the civil rights laws in this country really comes from the hotel accommodations, right? That was the, the famous, that's why we were able to pass civil rights laws at the federal level, because, right. uh, the, you know, the question is, well, what is the constitutional authority to do something like that? For the federal right. government to pass any type of legislation, there needs to be explicit uh, constitutional authority to do so. It was tied to the Commerce Clause, the Interstate Commerce Clause. The federal government can regulate the interstate commerce. Hotels clearly are part of interstate commerce because they're often on highways and people are traveling from state to state. They pull over, they go to a hotel. And so that's how the federal government was able to justify passing the civil rights law, saying that discrimination would be illegal. How could they do that? Because in hotels, that was the example used, right? Hotels were part of the interstate uh, commerce uh, system in the country because they were right next to the, the freeways. People would get off when they would on these long road trips. So, you know, I think right. the regulation of civil rights as it relates to hotels is kind of inherent. It's like baked into the country. That's our whole civil rights framework kind of stems from that. You know, this Airbnb yeah. thing, like we said, is new and been largely unregulated to this point. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, again, yeah, there is a point on both sides there again with, except it does happen um, with the Airbnb, probably less in the hotel industry, although it does happen there as well, because right. it happened, it happened to us, uh, to, to, to my family in the, in the 80s, we yeah. were traveling and we, they wouldn't rent to us. Right, right. So. so we are joined once again by Sheba Abraham from the League of Women Voters. Thank you for joining us. Sheba, 
in the middle of a great discussion on the new law that's taking effect today in New York City that cracks down on Airbnbs and other short-term rentals. I did see that. I, I was I read that, but what's unfortunate is that um, they 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 will find the city will find the homeowners fifty two hundred dollars if they don't register. If right. They, yeah. So why would they do that when people are struggling with taxes in New York City? The taxes well, are so high. They're supposed to register with the they're supposed to register the, the rental with um, the city. Right. It's a way to make sure that if they are renting their home, they're doing so within the bounds of the regulations, meaning that they're not supposed to just rent it and not be there just to rent it like a hotel. They're supposed to rent it if they have an extra room in their house or something that they're going to be staying there. Most people on Airbnb don't rent that way, but that's what the right. law. So it's a way to try to enforce that previously existing law. So you have to register. And in addition, these sites, the apps no longer going to be able to process these illegal transactions. What I just found interesting is I was on the city's website just now, and there's an application process that you would have to go through in order to register. But it says on there, before you register, check to make sure that you're not in a building that's on the prohibited buildings list. So they already have a list. Right. Of buildings. It looks like there's 50 buildings that are ineligible for registration for short-term rentals. Interestingly, I'm scrolling through this list right now. All 50 of them are in Brooklyn. Mm. Looks like no so landlords can yeah landlords can ban the entire building from the short rental short-term rental platform that's what this is so these are the landlords who are telling the city we want our entire building banned right and according to the article on wired there's a list of nearly nine thousand buildings across new york city that are on that list of well, um, is that what it is? because i'm on the site where I'll, i can put the link in the chat maybe it's only showing me the first 50 then because it just has a list it says building address and you can scroll through it and it says one through 15 of 50. You click next and it goes to 16 through 30 and so on. But it's only showing me 50 properties on here. But there's also a search bar. So maybe if you typed in your, your address in a search bar, it would show you maybe, you know, maybe, maybe a lot more in the database than it's showing on the screen. So what I yeah, read, it looks uh, like there's a whole database. So the 50 on the screen that come up or, or just in Brooklyn? Okay. But what I read in the New York Post today was that it was uh, one to two family homes could no longer rent their properties out when now they were renting their properties in New York City as Airbnbs. Is that it? Or when people came into the country, they would rent their properties out for short term stays. Is that correct? People came into the country? Yeah, travelers. People that travel that want wanted to stay, say that you you want to stay in some place quaint. You don't want to stay in a hotel. Someone's right. offering you oh, a yeah. home. So it's a, very they, common, it's a very common practice all over the country, all over the world. Right. But now New York City's cracking down on that, correct? Correct. And like so, we said, it was really illegal already. Most of the right. Airbnbs that we think of, when we think of Airbnbs, that, that was already illegal. It just was very hard for them to enforce it. So now they're trying to make it easier to crack down on it by having this registration system and, you know, try to try to have some teeth to it because people were doing it in spite of it being illegal. 
Right. right. But they were doing it for extra income. And according to the article, they said it's doomsday for New York City because those uh, the monies that these homeowners were receiving were helping them out, especially if they were elderly. Well, and that's a very valid question. I think we should be asking this question. Should we be cracking down on it to this extent? Right. Or should be, you know, maybe, the, I mean, there was a rule in place, like I said, the law was already there. Should there be some way to try to make this easier and, and to, you know, make some kind of concessions in that law? So so people are allowed to be able to do what they, they right. do for their, their home, with their homes and whatnot. Especially but for people who have extra right? rooms. I mean, let's put the idea that people are renting apartments from landlords in the first place aside. What right. if you own the house? Because, you know, like here in Howard Beach, a lot of parts in Queens, people own their own homes. Uh-huh. Should they be able to rent them out short term? I mean, it is their property, right? Is it a so. their property rights for the city to tell them no, they can't do it? Right, and that's right. what was on the on the books. Like you couldn't do it for less than thirty days. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think they should be allowed to. Um, uh-huh. I, I do think there should be some. You know, it does make set up kind of an unfair situation if the hotel industry has certain regulations to follow and Airbnb hosts can get away with certain things that they can't. Um, so maybe it just needs to be looked at a little bit more in that regard. Well, according to the article, the law was poorly written. Well, it probably didn't take into it was probably written before we had mobile apps and, and things. So no, I think she's talking about the new one, right? The new law. Yes, was, the new one. Oh, the new one. So yes. apparently Sheba is, is referencing an editorial that came out that was very much against yes. the new law. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I should mention that the law, and I quote, was poorly written, written. Hmm. And it gave the the council, the city council members that said, no, I think was like four. But the majority of those, I guess, who wrote this law or had something to do with the law voted yes. Mm. That it should pass. Yeah, it passed with a great deal of support in the city. Yeah. As I was saying, when I was working, I wasn't working for the city, but I was working in for New York State Senate and the hotel lobby was pretty persistent in trying to push back. They're trying to get even at the state level, the legislators to come out against all the short term rentals. And they were saying things like, you know, listen, if they want to be hotels and treat them like hotels, they should have to be regulated the same exact way as hotels. They shouldn't get away with acting like hotels, but not having the regulations on them. But don't you think that's a little bit intrusive? I mean, that's my own home. It's I, that's my own home. If someone wants to rent a room for me from me for a day or two, what business is it of the hotel industry? Because <laughs> they're losing money. That's, that's why it's their business. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're interested in. It's but, their yeah. business. <laughs> but fair, but fair point. But yeah, it you know, is it is, yeah, it is. It's your home. Like you, you know, how should they be able to stop you from from doing something like that? You know, but what especially they're saying, though, is that you are no longer using your home as a home, you're converting your home into a hotel. So why right. should you have to get licensed and regulated the same way that they are if, if now you're going to right. be in the business of having a hotel? Like, you know, you could run a business, any business out of your home, but you're supposed to be regulated and licensed. Just because it's, it's in your house doesn't mean that you're exempt from operating under the rules that regulate that business, right? Right, right. So, so this is going to, yeah, this is... This is definitely going to uh, affect the Airbnb situation in New York, for sure. 
Um, so, so I mean, I, I guess that should be the poll question of the week, right? Go for it. Gotta get people's thoughts on this. So the poll question of the week is, do you believe that short-term rentals such as Airbnb should be illegal? Yeah, illegal or more regulated or, but yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming most people will uh, disagree that it should be illegal because I think a lot of people, it's it's been around long enough now that Airbnb, Airbnb is a common option when people look for places to stay now. It's not like a, a novelty. Yeah, it, it has become the norm. Yeah. Right. Because in, in, in Miami, they have what you call hostels. Oh, yeah. Have, all tell, have you heard of hostels? Yeah. I actually went into a hostel. I didn't stay there, but I walked into a hostel in Miami just to see mm -hmm. what it was like. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm definitely familiar with it. In fact, there's a guy in there. I don't know what he was referencing exactly, but his question is, do you want one stack or two stacks? But I'm thinking like, is it, is it a stack of bunk beds that we're going to be sleeping in? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, right. Pancakes yeah. Pancakes or yeah. what? Right. And, and well, you know, my daughter. Yeah, like a funny, he kind of sounded like a Muppet a little bit. You're like, do you want one stack or two stacks? And so, this is even me. I, I'm just checking. Like, I wasn't really serious about staying there. I just wanted to, I was curious because I saw it on the street. I was like, what do you know? What's right. this about? Yeah. And you, what's interesting is that you have a lot of Europeans. Yeah. And people, I would say, like yep. from South America, Europeans, yep. they yep. stay in those hostels when they come to Miami. And my daughter, she stayed in one when she went to Miami. And she said she liked it. She said yeah, she yeah. met so everybody looks out for one another. You meet every, you know, people from all over the world. She really, really liked it. Yeah. I've um I've stayed in hostels before. Um you know what? The name well. makes it sound kind of dangerous. Hostile. Hostile, right? <laughs> it sounds no, it, and there was no, a scary movie about it too, I think, right? Wasn't there a scary movie called Hostile not long ago? No. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt it. No, it's, it's a European, that's a European for where they stay in those places like that. Mm -hmm. So they say, so that they know when they come here, they know they can find hostels. It's just, yeah, because that's what it's called. Well, and they cheaper stay in a than hotels are typically. Yeah, it is. yeah they're, they're, they're cheaper than hotels. And um, it's just more of, you got like, bunk bed rooms or it can be different types of way but rooms with a bunch uh -huh. of beds in it and then they have a they share a common area right where, you know, but see my thing is this when i go on vacation generally speaking i like to be more comfortable and even if it's going to cost more money if i can afford it you know i, I want to treat myself I'm, so it's vacation so i'm trying to be right. as comfortable and luxurious as i can be within reason but it's a thing now right if i'm gonna go someplace and some friends are coming along even for a political thing sometimes we you know, go out of state for conferences or what have you they'll be like you know why don't we get an airbnb instead of a hotel and right. i'll ask them why. why why do you want to get an airbnb and they'll say well this way we can cook and I'm, but i don't want to cook if i'm going away i want to eat out you know now i can see if you're going to be maybe staying in a place for a month and you, you're thinking it's going to be pricey and i don't want to eat out every day it would be nice to have a kitchen where i can bring food in or i can see something right. like that but if I'm going away for a weekend or for a week, you know, like I, if I can avoid it, I, I you know, I'm not going to do the Airbnb. I, I would prefer the hotel in most cases. But you don't cook some anyway. People, but some <laughs> people like the Airbnb because it's, you know, they're not, some people don't like the um, atmosphere of hotels where you're around a lot of people. Um, right. 
Well, one could be biased. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no. I was gonna say that when on that point, like you can, it's one benefit of an Airbnb when you're going out with a uh, a group is like you can you can all stay together, right? Um, and so there's that added, I guess, bonus. Especially if it's a family or if it's a group of friends, you can all have it. You have your different room in the house, but you're all in the same place together. And right. And yeah, so that is true. One. I think the hotel room is more for just sleeping, really, you know, hanging out at yeah. night. When you're yeah, with yeah. people, like if, you, if you're in a group, you're usually not going to all hang out in a hotel room. Sometimes they do, like caucus weekend at all, but you'll get like a bunch of people pre gaming in, in someone's hotel room. <laughs> right, they do right. that kind of thing. But, you know, for the most part, I can see that if you have a nice big house that you're renting on Airbnb or a site like that. You guys can all hang out in a living room and a dining room. If you want to cook, you can cook. And it's like you're staying in a house together. I do get the appeal in that, but I prefer right. to have a hotel room and I can order room service and be pampered like I'm on vacation as opposed to just having a, a house that, you know, that's like a different setting from where I normally live, but the, <laughs> the quality of life is not any different. Well, looks like uh, Deborah's with you on that one, Mike. She's like, Mike, YOLO, go treat yourself. Yeah. <laughs> vacation, right? I, I don't want a vacation to a house that's similar to the house I'm in when I'm not on vacation. Like, no, I'm trying to go someplace nice and live it but up. But I thought the Airbnbs are upscale. It depends all on... Different kinds. No, I saw right, right, thing. The, I did the, an Airbnb. Um, so, no, no, they're all different kinds. And sometimes you don't know what you're getting into. You should look at the reviews, but sometimes there aren't enough reviews or they can be deceiving or whatever. Because I actually did one in, not Miami, but South Florida. It was an Airbnb, but it was a hotel. And it was a hotel that they apparently sold half of the rooms to private people as condos or, or whatever. And then they were in turn renting them out. So check this out, right? This wasn't even someone <laughs> someone renting out their house as a hotel. They were literally renting out a hotel room that they bought as a whole, as their own private hotel operation. And so this hotel that you were staying at, some of the rooms were still owned by the hotel. Some of the rooms were privately owned, but being rented by people on Airbnb. And it was very odd. And it wasn't very nice. Like it wasn't, you know, because you, 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 you expect it you, because you're in a hotel and you expect that experience of a hotel, but now it's not. Now it's just a room that someone owns and they're renting to you and you don't wow. get the accommodations you would get at a regular hotel if it was hotel operated. You're not going to call anyone for room service. They're, they're like, you're on your own. It's you're well, just right. you, you, you can run into hotel. some terrible hotels. You can yeah. get, yeah, you, you can right. run into some terrible hotels too. Yeah. Mike, remember, remember <laughs> the hotel that we, uh, that we stayed in when we went to the Obama inauguration. Okay. Yes. Remember the, the whole place smelled like smoke. We it had was to go to like, yes. And disinfect the room. Yeah. We had to disinfect the room because that was the only thing available. That's what it was, right? It was the night before the inauguration in January, 2009. And yeah. all the hotel rooms were either booked or asking astronomical prices. That was the one hotel that I think didn't get the memo that it was inauguration weekend. And they, they gave us regular prices. <laughs> Now, yeah, see, it had it been an Airbnb or someone's home, you probably would have got a better price. Maybe wow. a nicer yeah, stay. They can charge what they want, right? <laughs> it's all about supply and demand. Yeah. It so it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting poll to see what uh, people have to say. Um, and then we also had the poll from last week as well. Yeah. Where we asked about um, the Republican presidential debate, asking who who won that debate. And uh, we had uh, kind of interesting uh, responses. Um, some people said Putin won. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
had a couple people said Trump won. Someone said Biden. Someone said we did. Um, so it was kind of tongue in cheek, I guess. Um, okay, but what about of the people who were actually debating who got <laughs> the highest response? Um, well, one guy was saying that Trump won more or less, and, uh, saying, that no, saying that nobody surged enough to threaten him and only DeSantis, DeSantis could have, but I guess he didn't really perform like he was expected to. But of the candidates who were on stage, who got the highest response in the poll? Um, I didn't put the individual candidates' names out there, so I left it up to people question. to... Yeah, I left it up to the open-ended. One guy just said, one guy did comment that uh, VR would be, uh, what's his name, Vivek, mm -hmm. um, is, is this new shiny object. So There's I think that was kind of what being reflected. Overexposed. And yeah. I think he might be suffering from that. And it, it sounds very weird. It's a concept that I think is a little counterintuitive. I remember, this might be going off on a bit of a tangent, but... Do you remember when Jin had a single with Kanye on it in 2003, 2004 from his album? Mm. So Jin did an album with Kanye? Yeah. So, uh, Jin's, uh, so Jin's album on Rough Riders that came out had a song with Kanye on it. And that was when Kanye West was blowing up at the time. His album was about to come out. He had singles all over the radio for himself. Rough Riders was trying to put out that song as a single. And Rockefeller Def Jam, which was Kanye's label, refused to clear it because they were concerned that he would be overexposed. And I remember at the time, not really understanding that concept. I'm like, why wouldn't they want him on the radio more? That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to keep him off the radio because they're afraid he'll get too much love. But the idea was that they were trying to push his singles to the radio at the same time. And they were afraid the radio stations would say, well, we just played a Kanye song with Jin. We're not going to play his new single. Let's, let's, let's wait till next hour or something like that. So they were trying to allow all of their stuff that they owned, right. That, that was on their label to get the maximum airplay. And so they would tell on people who had him as a guest on their album, that couldn't be the single because it's going to oversaturate the airways. So I get, I get that more now, right. When I was younger back then, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't they want more of their artists on the radio? It makes it does make sense though if you really really think about it i think that with this guy there's a possibility he's going to burn out too soon he's going to be all he's he's everywhere right now and people will grow tired of him and they'll think that he's got too much airplay they, they're going to want to cut cut back on that because he's he's burning out too quick in my opinion especially when it comes to a political campaign you want to peak on election day right you don't want to peak months before the first votes are cast and then be right. the hill by the time it comes to election day so i do think there's a concern that he is being overexposed right now yeah and then oh, yeah. And i think people are gonna yeah like you said people are gonna get tired of him pretty quickly i think um i, think so, I, I listened i listened to him I took one day, spent a couple hours going through some of the talking points, and yeah, I was already tired of them. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, right? Some people can burn out faster than others. Yeah. Well, he can he comes off personally to me, he comes off smarmy. He's like a a, a very rehearsed, very robotic, very people pleasing. I'm gonna say anything that's gonna sound good to make you um, you know, vote for me. And just it's very disingenuous. So yeah it was, he was whack um so another comment was like saying you know because i phrased it like who who won um someone 
a, a bit contrarian was like it's not a sporting event to the extent people see it as such requiring a winner or a loser that means the united states is ultimately the loser in that case we all lose because of this infantile reductionism of too many theoretical adult americans who see determining the future of our country through the prism of a football game well that guy sounds fun at parties oh. very yeah, right. fun at parties i mean the thing is this it is a competition because people are voting right so is that a sporting event i mean is that a juvenile sporting event in his eyes people it is a competition right people uh -huh. right well, of course there are going to be winners and losers because the question is who is coming out with the most votes out of it that's a, a tangible thing that's not some abstract concept that we're making up for the sake of inventing right. a competition it they literally are in competition with each other right and and i do get his point of view or he or she that didn't specify but i do get the person's point of view that is um, a man well yeah dave i see it now um where people looking at people looking at politics like it is a game instead uh -huh. of something a little bit more serious than it is so i do get that point of view as well but I think yeah we say that that politics is like sports for older people and things like that <laughs> right so but yeah so that was uh kind of what we got i've also um, heard it described as hollywood for ugly people <laughs> what what was described as that politics has been described as hollywood for ugly people okay because yeah, you could be a star in theory right. on the political right, stage right. without having you, know, interesting, you, should, you ever see that movie wag the dog yeah you saw <laughs> yeah that came to mind and Mike made the comment about Hollywood and politics. And it, that was a very interesting movie. Yeah, it was. That was uh, Robert De Niro, I believe. Right. Yes. And Dustin Hoffman. Right. And what was interesting, the lady said, we don't vote. Remember, you remember her saying that one of the, I forgot who the actress was. She said, it doesn't matter what president gets in the office. We'll never be affected by it. Biden, whoever yeah. was the office, was the um, uh, gets into office, was the presidency. So it was a it was a a political satire movie. Um, yeah. Whereas the because the, the term "wag the dog" is is a, a a theory that that where you try to I guess create something to make the situation that you want. So instead of the dog wagging its tail, then you wag the dog instead. Dog. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's what they did. They constructed a fake war in the media for certain political points. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was actually pretty good. I believe it was Robert it was. Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, you might like it, Mike. Yeah. So we've got a movie recommendation of the week now. I like it. We do. We do. Absolutely. So, All right, so it's we not have a Marvel definitive movie. Definitive winner of this debate, according to the poll. Um, according to the poll, I would say no. I would say no. <laughs> no, nobody won the debate. No one definitively. Okay. Well, they said Trump won. Didn't they ask the question? Would they still support Trump if he was? Um, yeah. And if he went to jail? Yeah. So I think to me, yeah, I think that's means <laughs> that he wins because even though he wasn't there, he was yeah. still kind yeah. of the focus. So, All right. And especially if they had this debate without him and yeah. didn't even have a clear winner emerging. I mean, that tells you something. Right. And he was still a question. Like, uh -huh. 
Yeah, so he he wins regardless, unfortunately. <laughs> so, right. well, is that a segue into our next topic here about the mugshot? Sure, that works. Yeah. All right, so you sent me this article. It's still look. It's fun to look at these things, I guess, from an academic or theoretical point of view, or if you just want to stick it to him as much as possible, which I know a lot of people do. They're always trying to think of other theories, right? That might bite them in the ass. So there is this idea out there that his monetization of the mugshot from Fulton County is a violation of copyright law and all of the money I think they're saying it's been over $7 million, all the money raised since the release off of this image is theoretically not truly his, doesn't belong to him and could be collected again in theory, right? This is all a very theoretical discussion by the Fulton County Sheriff who would technically own the copyright. Right. So, yeah, and so generally mugshots don't have the copyright, but I guess technically it belongs to the the the, the county that, that right. took the picture. Well, generally speaking, copyright is owned by the person who created the artwork or in right. this case who took the picture. So if you take a picture, you own the copyright without having to register it or do anything, just by virtue of taking the picture, you own the copyright. So generally speaking, the Fulton County Sheriff who took the picture of their office would own that image, right? Right. But there are a lot of legal issues that would have to be considered beyond that. Number one, and this article makes a distinction between the federal government and local governments. So yes, the US government is not permitted to own copyright to booking photos, they would be considered in public domain. This is not the US government we're talking about. This is a local government. And so that prohibition would not nakedly apply. But as Jay alluded to, it's still a government taking a mugshot photo. It's not really uh, thought of as a work of art. It's thought of as more uh, something that you would use to process a potential criminal, right? It's it's like a file that you're keeping on someone, not so much art. And it's very much newsworthy. It's very much a public photo just by virtue of it being a mugshot, the first mugshot we've seen of a former president. And so is it really subject to enforcement of private copyright law or would it be considered so far into the public domain that it's essentially fair use for anyone to use it? Plus, you have to look at the way it's being used, right? Is it being used in a transformative way? Is it being used to comment on a news story? There are various fair use factors where even if you could show that someone is prima facie violating a copyright, you still might be able to use it depending on how you're using it. In this case, I think there's a very strong argument that it's being used to comment on a news story. And it is transformative in a sense that He's basically saying, here's a mugshot, and this is what I think of it. I'm making my own political statement on it by saying, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to be proud of it. I'm going to be the martyr, right? He's doing all these. He's trying to turn that negative into a positive, so to speak. And so I think there is inherent commentary on a news story, something that's so public. With right. it. it's, you know, To me, it's kind of hard for me to 
envision a scenario where he could be held liable for breaking the copyright of Fulton County Sheriff in his case. But it's interesting right. to think about, and it is theoretical at least, right? Right. And and for, for clarification, after the mugshot was released to the public, uh, Trump took the mugshot, the campaign, and started using it to create fundraising merchandise with. And, and within that day, I think they, they raised like $7 million selling merchandise using that mugshot for his campaign. Right. Um, I think there's also another aspect on there that we kind of touched on in the pregame where, um, and, and the article even brings that up, whereas it is a photo of of Trump, his mugshot. So there's also an interest of his likeness uh, in that regard. But that is when it comes to other people trying to monetize his likeness, right? right? But even that, though, is murky to me. So are we saying, because how many times do we see people make artwork with a president's face on it? Like, are we saying that's always illegal? Right. You know, it's it's so ingrained in the public consciousness that it's really hard, I think, in practice to enforce these private rights that might technically exist. Like if someone took a photo of you and started selling it, I think it's much easier to make a case that, hey, wait a minute, you know, because there's no expectation that that's going to happen. I mean, maybe if it's in a context of you as an artist, that's a little bit different, but let's just say it's in the context of your private life or any private person walking down the street, someone is now selling t-shirts of them and making money off of it. I think that hits different, right? There's an expectation that your likeness isn't going to be used for someone else's monetary gain, but the president and a former president of the United States, I mean, that's just a different volume and they're they're in a different stratosphere. Right. They have laws governing that in the Fulton County. What, what What does the law say about that for a public figure? About what? Because now we're talking about two different about, things. About yeah. okay, about the image. When you say taking the picture, taking the picture and using it for well, monetary gain. You mean himself it's, using it or other right, people? Him, himself and, and other people. Well, um, there. So when it comes to other people using your likeness, there are civil rights laws, and it will vary by state. But I can speak on in New York, for example. There is a law that's under the civil rights law that says that you you cannot monetize someone else's likeness without their permission. Right. That's different from copyright, right? Copyright Mm -hmm. is when you create a work of art, you are the only person who is allowed to publish it, print it, right, put it out. And so the theory there is that the Fulton County Sheriff owns the copyright. Now that's not by law, that's not by a local statute. That's just by copyright law. It's just like common law, right? So the theory is that they own this, the image, assuming that it isn't a piece of art. If we're going to look at it as artwork, which, you know, you can make the argument that anytime you take a photo, there's an artistic mm-hmm. quality to it. But this mm-hmm. is, like I said, this is really more for the case of documenting and keeping records of people on trial and people in a criminal right. justice system, right? So it's a little bit of a different thing. But if you want to make that case, you know, you could make a case that the artwork of the photo is owned by the sheriff's department. And therefore by reproducing it without their permission, you are breaking their copyright. Now here's another piece of it, which we didn't get into. They would have to be willing and wanting to enforce 
this copyright. I mean, what if right. they just uh -huh. let it slide? It's really up to, they're the rights holder. So it will be up to them as to whether they would enforce something uh, civilly against him in that case. Right. I find it hard to believe they would. That just, that seems to cross the line into pettiness or, you know, something that's right. really beyond expectation, even if you technically could make a case. I'm not going to say it's a frivolous case necessarily, but right. I think, I, I don't think, let me put it like this. I don't think it would do the criminal case any favors if they also mm -hmm. pursued a civil copyright claim against them, because that would make it look like they just are really going after him any way they can, even if they don't really have valid reasons to. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the, I think from the article I read, they've reached out to get a statement, but the, the Fulton County is not, hasn't released any statement in regards to this either way. Um, they probably shouldn't take a position on this. Yeah, probably huh. not. Um, there was one other thing that um, kind of brought up as far as the likeness uh, is concerned, um, where it is murky, but the Trump, the Trump campaign did say that anybody else using this mugshot that they would go after. Right. And again, let's make the distinction. They're not saying they're going to go after them under copyright law. So they're not claiming that they own the copyright to the image. They're saying that someone else isn't allowed to monetize his likeness. Right. Permission, which is a separate provision of law. But again, it's the former president of the U.S. Are we saying that you can't sell a T-shirt with the president's picture on it ever? Yeah, I know. That's, uh, you know. I mean, yeah. I in theory, it's interesting. It it's murky, be, but it's right? interesting. There, there yeah. could be a claim. I mean, that, and that would make because you know, Mike, extremely petty, right? What happens when, if I say New York State wanted a copy of that mugshot, is that permissible to give New York State said, well, we want a copy. Uh, let us have a copy of the um, mugshot. Well, everyone, everyone has it. What do you mean by a copy of it? I mean, well, they, it can pass from state to state, the mugshot. It's passed throughout the entire world. That's what I'm saying. This is so whether it's but, legally but classified in public domain or not, it's very much in the public consciousness. Right. But if Filton, if I want to look, use this, let's say in a small town, uh, he's coming, you know, if I wanted to use that photo and in a small town, um, say he was coming here and he was being indicted here. Can I'm I use that use same, same photo? Use the same photo. I could, right? So it, it, under what context? Are you saying like a wanted photo or like how do you want to yeah, use it? Well, he's he's a criminal now, right? Would he be considered a criminal? An alleged criminal. Alleged criminal. So could I use that photo as him being an alleged criminal in another state? Well, again, the question is how, how are you going to use it? So, so theoretically speaking, the Fulton County Sheriff owns the copyright, meaning unless you have a good reason, unless you your use of it falls under one of the fair use factors, then in theory, they could stop you from using it in any oh. way. But there are, there, are, there are questions about that. Again, number one, yeah. is it copyrightable in the first place? Is it really a work of art? Because like you're getting at, you know, this mugshot isn't being used for 
uh, at least the purpose of the mugshot initially, in spite of how it might be used by others, the purpose of it isn't to create enticing artwork about a former president, is to document him being processed in the criminal justice system. So it's not really right. intended to be a work of art, right? Copyright is supposed to be for art. So that is one thing to keep in mind. But assuming that you can copyright that that is copyrightable, then the question is, do you have a right to use it? Do you have a right to, on its face, break their copyright that you're acknowledging exists, but you nonetheless can still use it? And I would say in most cases, even if it is copyrightable, your uses of it are going to fall under fair use. I mean, here's one of the fair use factors, uh -huh. you know, fair use of copyrighted works as stated in the copyright law for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research. Those are not infringements of copyright. So right. commenting on a news story. I mean, I think that's what a lot of this is. It's even the, the no surrender, right? The Trump campaign has something that says never surrender or something with it. Right. So they just used the, the, the um, mugshot as is, and then they put underneath uh, never surrender um, as a caption. And that was what their, their merchandise was. Never, never surrender, is. right. So so the way I look at it, that is a form of commenting on a news story. All right. And ironically, <laughs> ironically, the, they did put the caption never surrender, but that picture was taken after he did surrender to uh, law enforcement um, for the indictment. So it's kind right. of funny. Right. Now, and that another fair use factor is news reporting, right? So if you were right. to put it out there for the purpose of informing people that this is a this is a criminal a suspected criminal on the loose or however you want to use it if it was not for any kind of commercial gain whatsoever and by the way commercial game doesn't necessarily mean selling it right people get that confused all the time which we can talk about but there are no commercial purposes here it's strictly for reporting factual information then like a wanted poster right then it could fall under fair use as well again it would still be prima facie, meaning on its face, a violation of the copyright, but you would have an argument for why you should be allowed to do so, why you're not liable for copyright infringement, because you've got a defense, you have right, fair use as an affirmative defense to infringement. So, yeah, it's a very, I, I guess, theater, theoretical mental exercise. It's very theoretical, and I don't, you know, I don't think it would be wise for anyone to pursue. Right. The, the only thing I did, the, the article I did read was, uh, I guess the Fulton County Sheriff's Office is, has a very big budget crunch. And so the, the article was kind of tying it in because the sheriff had been begging with uh, commissioners because they need funds because of there's poor conditions in their in their jails. And the end of the article said that basically, like, if Fulton County Sheriff, who's technically or theoretically the, the copyright holder decided to pursue this and won, then they could be entitled to damages that could be, that could help their bottom line in these issues that they're facing. But so it's very, it's all very much of a mental exercise in, in this point. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen in practice. No, I doubt it. Something else. I mean, we kind of touched on a, a couple of ideas in that discussion, the transformative aspect of it, right? So the article, right talked about Shepard Ferry, who did the famous Obama Hope poster. And there was litigation about that because that image that was used for the poster came from the Associated Press, which is not right. a government body, that's a private body. But 
a lawsuit was filed over that. And part of the argument in that, in fact, the artist filed it apparently preemptively to argue that his use of the copyrighted material was transformative because he took a photo and he made it artistic. He made it look like something else. He turned it into something else, his own work of art. And that is an argument you can make. None of these factors are dispositive. So people get that confused all the time when it comes to copyright. They think you could look at the fair use factors and pick out one of them and say, it's this one, therefore I win. It never works like that. There's always a qualitative discussion of how much, you know, and there's a balancing act. Yes, you did infringe it on this hand, but on the other hand, you have interest in the other direction saying that you have, you know, you're doing something else with it. Maybe it falls into this category, but it's always a, an argument. It's never all or nothing. So even when it comes to parody, people think, Oh, if I make a parody of something, I win. It's, it's, but no, you still are on its face violating a copyright and you can still have a lawsuit and then you can go into court and argue fair use. And you could argue your parody falls under fair use, but that's a whole lawsuit now that has to play out. And you have to argue why all the factors are in your favor and why the balance of interest is in your favor. So it's not as cut and dry as people always make it out to be. So, mm-hmm. so even with this, right, they were saying it was transformative. Well, okay, how transformative is it? And are you really creating something new or are you really relying excessively on the underlying image and so, so on and so forth? With this, though, the campaign didn't really transform the image. They did have a saying under it, right? Maybe they try to make it like a meme. And maybe you could argue in today's world that is transformative because you're memeing an image. So these are all discussions to be had and then they could all play out in court, right? But uh, I think that's worth mentioning that if they're going to try to argue, let, let, let's say this was an actual lawsuit and they tried to raise the transformative defense. It's fair use because we transformed it. It's not quite the same as the Obama poster because that was really a different piece of art that they made. Whereas this right. is, they're taking the photo and just using the photo and adding some words to it. So, right. you know, different case, but arguments could still be made there. The other point that I wanted to bring up was the commercial aspect of it. So you see this all the time when it comes to people putting out mixtapes or songs online, right? posting things on YouTube with music on them, they'll always say, well, I'm not selling it, therefore it's allowed because it's not for a commercial purpose. That's not how the courts look at it. That's not how the law looks at it. They look at it like it's still a commercial purpose if you're using it to make money, even indirectly. So for example, if you're an artist and you have a mixtape out and you say, well, I'm not selling this, I'm just giving it out. I'm just putting it out online for free. They're looking at it as a commercial purpose because you're using it to promote your brand. And then maybe you're selling your other things off of it. Maybe you're selling your t-shirts or your other music or what have you. It's still a commercial purpose. It's not the same as something that's just commenting on news or something that really has no commercial purpose whatsoever. But again, these are qualitative discussions. It's never, you can just pick it off of a chart and say, this is it, I win or you lose or whatever. It's always going to go to court and play out. I mean, if someone wants to pursue it, the the underlying question is, do they own this piece of, you know, do they own the property rights, the, the intellectual property rights? Do they own this copyright? Okay. Did you infringe on it on its face? You know, meaning did you put did you publish it without their permission? Yes. Right. Okay. Now we can have a whole argument back and forth about did it qualify for fair use, right? And again, right. that's a whole lawsuit. That's not me or you saying definitively one, two, three, what it's going to be. These are lawyers now arguing back and forth and it's never that cut and dry. So I think I think what you're actually saying is that you should you should go ahead and do a little bit of groundwork right now. Just have just in case something prepared in case uh, uh, Lupe Fiasco wants to come after Tupe Fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just in case. So, so just so we're covered. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that stuff drives me crazy. Though. Even when you see on YouTube, people will be like, um, disclaimer, I do not own the copyright. <laughs> that that it doesn't work like that. Now. It doesn't, it doesn't work mean like anything that. legally. In fact, if anything, you're just admitting that you don't right. own the copyright to it. So if anything, it hurts you, right? But really, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. So, you know, they think, well, I'm not selling this. And like, no, it's that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know? Right. So, yeah, and it's, I don't know, it just kind of an interesting uh, point that was brought up here, but mm. elemental exercise nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to see that. I don't think the article even brought up the question of whether mugshots qualify as works of art. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it, it didn't. It didn't bring that up. And this was, uh, it was an MSNBC article, and, and apparently several legal experts, and they even quoted a, a law professor from a university in there um, that had walked through this this scenario, the possibilities of it. So, right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was kind of an interesting thing. Um, so, I think. I think we've we, we've we've got we're hitting around that at our mark, you know. We've been trying to hit that sweet spot. Doing better with time management this time. I, I think I think we're we're right around there. All right. Well, we thank so, you for joining us. We've had interesting discussions as always. Yes, and and of course everyone in the chat. Um, What's up, Vance? Like see see. Yeah, I see Vance in there. It looks like Deborah, Paul, PJ. We thank so, you for joining us. As absolutely. Hope everyone had so, a good Labor Day weekend. No. How about we give um how about we give Sheba the bottom line this week? I know you came in you came in later, but uh got a bottom line for us this week. Well in light yeah. of the fact that summer is unofficially ending. <laughs> uh, yes, it's gonna be a steamer to it's supposed to be extremely hot over the next two days. But um with that being said. I would like for the city council to reconsider mm. all that was recently passed. Um, I The reason why, because I think it will affect, have a negative impact on homeowners that were using the funds to support maybe their basic needs or purchase things uh, for their families. So you think that the Airbnbs and the short-term rentals should be allowed to help give people some yes. economic relief? I, yeah, I do. And I think the city council, I would like to see the city council revisit that law again. Okay. And it's a, I think it's a fair point. So, very good. And for those uh, who follow us like to follow us they can check us out on youtube uh and instagram at nuance show you get the replay the video on youtube some good clips and things on both and if you're doing podcasts everywhere podcasts are at apple music spotify amazon and youtube podcasts if you do that as well and uh yeah thank you guys for joining up with joining up with us yes as always we've got work to do catch you next time